0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Be shape Daily. And boy, was this a big one! Cardinals home opener at Busch Stadium, and it did not disappoint. Glad to have you along with me for this edition of the show, where we'll be breaking down the Cardinals' big win over the Brewers on Thursday, three to one final score down at Busch Stadium, and it was wonderful, fantastic, and electric to see. Baseball back in St. Louis, but not back like it was technically back when it returned in 2020 in July when MLB played the 60-game season. No, 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 folks. I'm talking about back-back because what I saw downtown in St. Louis today was something special. Look, last year, the last 12, 13 months now that we're into April have been difficult for a lot of people. I would venture to say everybody out there has been impacted in some way or another by COVID-19, by the pandemic, whether that's losing a loved one, losing a job or having your work impacted or knowing somebody who has been impacted by the virus, sick or yourself perhaps having contracted it. There's been a lot going on and we didn't have baseball last year to kind of be that escape for us in the way that we normally do because fans couldn't go to the games. And it makes such a tremendous difference when you get fans in the ballpark. And as I found out today, around the ballpark, livening up the environment, it was a sight to behold. It was something to see and hear and feel and experience. And I felt great about going down there today. Full disclosure, I was not inside Bush Stadium for this game. On Thursday, I was not in there. There's limitations still on the media areas, the press box inside Bush Stadium. Social distancing is still something that you've got to do up in the press box. And because of the large number of outlets that want to be there covering opening day, they've got to limit the different outlets to only so many people that can get in. And as I write for a television station, uh, KMOV, obviously they're going to need their broadcaster and photographers and people of that nature to have access to the game. And so what that meant for me today was not being inside for the game. Expect that I'll be able to be just fine for many of the other games when... The demand isn't quite so high, and as the season goes along, I think you're going to see capacity in the stadium begin to open up, and I think that's going to be true for fans, for media, for everybody as we continue to return to normal. It's going to be great. But today, it really did feel like normal in downtown St. Louis. What I did anyway is I said, screw it. I'm going down to the ballpark anyway, whether I'm getting in or not, and I'm going to take in the sights and sounds. I'm going to soak it all in. And so I found myself at the little patio picnic area they have stationed now outside of Ballpark Village. I think it's kind of right next to the the Cardinals Nation restaurant there. And they've got a big screen up where people can watch the game. I don't know how new that is because I don't spend a lot of time going over that direction, honestly, to Ballpark Village. Because it's kind of on the other side of where you enter the media gate at Busch Stadium. And so I don't really go around there very often and so it was cool to kind of take it all in today and you, you've got the uh, the world series uh sculpture over there and the, the trophy i should say and you've got the big stl that people like to take photographs at cool stuff going on over there and so lots of people were there just hanging out outdoors you know they've got beer vendors in the streets you're right there adjacent to the stadium it's all like one great atmosphere and so Yeah, sure. There were limited to 13,000 some odd fans inside Bush Stadium, whatever percent capacity they're at at this point in time in the process, but there were so many more than that that were able to take part in the day and really kind of showcase what St. Louis baseball is all about, and I wrote about this for KMOV. I'm not going to delve too far into it. Uh, I've certainly started the show with, with this kind of being the theme, but What St. Louisans and Cardinals fans were able to do today, I think, really meant a lot, not only on the field. As Adam Wainwright talked about after the game, there was a veritable impact that the fan base and the crowd had on him in the first inning of that game when he was kind of in a little bit of a jam. We'll get into the the baseball nitty-gritty here in a moment. But that was a factor. But more than that, the, the fans and the fact that they were out in crowds and tailgating and going to bars and restaurants, revitalize kind of a segment of St. Louis that has absolutely desperately needed it over the past year. That's kind of where my story went, the one that I wrote tonight for KMOV, because I think that's such an important element when you talk about what opening day, the home opener kind of signifies in St. Louis. It's so much about the fans and how they're able to really inject their passion for the game upon everything around them and show their love for their, their team, the Cardinals, obviously. And it's just a, it's a really cool thing to get to experience. And I heard it on the radio broadcast as I was driving into the city, Mike Shannon in his 50th year for KMOX, doing the baseball games for the Cardinals, obviously going to be his last season. So I was tweeting out Shannon quips all day long. Cause I kind of had my radio app on me as I was walking around and, checking out the different things going on. I could see the game on TVs as I'd go, too. But I wanted to—I want to be able to listen to Mike Shannon for the final year. And so I was tweeting some quips out, which I think is something that I'm going to try to make a habit of doing all year long. You can catch me there at bshafer12 on Twitter. But as I was driving in, Mike Shannon, John Rooney, they were discussing the notion that if you've never been to a Cardinals opening day at Busch Stadium— you need to put it on your bucket list. That's coming straight from the man himself, Mike Shannon. And it's true. And I think even if you don't, you know, tickets are going to be expensive. And I get it. I wasn't about to drop $100 just so I could say I got into the stadium today. That's not my game. But I was. it was so meaningful still to be down there and to be able to take it all in. And you can do that whether it was 2021 and, you know, things are still a little bit different or looking forward, talking about a bucket list, looking ahead 2022 and beyond. I say if you've got a chance, even if you don't have a, a ticket to the game, get down there uh, because it is really something special. And I think that we're going to start to get to see this more and more with crowds returning to games, and then the crowds are going to get bigger. And then ideally, as the summer goes along, the Cardinals are in contention. And so you end up with uh, you know this kind of atmosphere and environment Talking about meaningful baseball down the stretch in September, and you get into October, and there's nothing like that, as you all know. But let's get into what actually happened in the ball game today for the Cardinals, as they do it again, folks. They win another close game, a game that throughout the first probably two thirds of it, you're maybe not that confident that they're going to be able to pull it out. Another really strong pitching performance against the Cardinals took place today. Corbin Burns is a really good Major League Baseball pitcher. Like this guy is legitimate. I know that he kind of has relative inexperience when you look at only having made like 14 starts, I believe it was coming into this game, talking about major league starts. But last year in the shortened season, you know he he basically goes the whole year and has a a wonderful track record and campaign. And so he enters this season as kind of you know the, the number two, I would say, for the Brewers behind Brandon Woodruff, but a guy who has some legitimate a when it comes to being like a bona fide guy. Like I think by the end of the season, that's the way Corbin Burns is going to be viewed across the league if he's not already. He's a strikeout fiend and the Cardinals sometimes are susceptible to those kinds of pitchers. But this guy's just got really good stuff. I mean, you saw it throughout this game. The the, the things he was doing to Cardinals hitting, it's just it's just what it is. And I think sometimes that frustrates Cardinals fans when they say, look, you know, how many times in a week can the response be well? We ran into a really good pitcher today, and that's something that you know we've heard in the past during times where the Cardinals have gone on these prolonged slumps. The past few years have been pretty similar as far as the offensive profile of the team, and it's you know they're never in the the upper echelon of runs scored, but there's also been this quality that. They are going to get their runs, but it's even going to be a little bit more spread out and randomized than you wish it would be. They're going to score 12 in one game, and then they're going to have multiple games where they don't score, or they score one, or they score two. I think the magic number has been like four runs where they haven't really been able to consistently get on top of that number. And when you don't get on top of that number, it's really hard to win. Well, this week, let's talk about it. The Cardinals have not consistently gotten on top of that number. They've scored four a couple of times in Miami, 4-1 win, 4-2 win. And then they, of course, had the 7 nothing win that was basically the same profile of game until Dylan Carlson hit the Grand Slam in the ninth inning. And then today, it's another story like that, where you don't get very much off of the opposing starting pitcher, which is going to happen. And I think in this case, when you look across the last week what the Cardinals have seen, let's look at the end of the season to see what kind of years Corbin Burns has. Sandy Alcantara for sure has. I've already raved about him on the podcast. And I think Pablo Lopez, too, of the Miami Marlins, is somebody that's a sneaky candidate for a really good season. I think he's a quality pitcher, and he looked really good against the Cardinals. So let's acknowledge that all this has happened. It's a, a theme that is kind of familiar from past seasons for the Cardinals offense. But the difference in the past week, as the Cardinals have continued to rack up these wins, has been for one, the starting pitching has been able to somehow, some way, keep it together where they're not giving up these crooked numbers. Ponce de Leon, John Gant, Adam Wainwright, and it was Waino going today, did not have his best stuff early on, but at the end of the day was able to, to get through it having only surrendered one run. And that was a similar story for for Gant and Ponce de Leon in the games they pitched down in Miami. And then the bullpen has been absolutely sensational for the Cardinals over the past week or so. On the way home, it was Kevin Wheeler talking about it on KMOX. I believe the math that he did was 16 innings, one earned run over the past four or so games for the Cardinals bullpen. It's not an ideal thing to have to rely upon the bullpen to the extent that they have with starters only averaging five innings over those games. But when you can hold things down and you you basically can get through the middle innings without being in a huge deficit, and then you can turn things over to a bullpen that has all these weapons that Mike Schilt is able to use. I asked him about it today after the game and said, how fun is it? to be able to, no matter who you go to in this bullpen, they're going to come out and throw zeros. And he was very complimentary of the job that these guys have been doing. Uh, today it was Ryan Helsley had a better outing. Uh, you know, he's we've seen him maybe not at his sharpest so far this season. Today he did have a walk in that inning that he pitched in the sixth, but had a strikeout, got through it unscathed. Uh, Andrew Miller looking really good, had an inning with a strikeout no base runners. Giovanni Gallegos looks as good as any Cardinals reliever. Continues to do so. What's great about him, he gets another win. An inning pitched, two strikeouts. The slider was just dropping off the table. His slider's kind of looking like the the Peter Fairbanks slider of the Tampa Bay Rays where it just has a lot of that, that north-south tilt to it. And he was just on point with it. Could put it where he wanted to. Was making guys like Lorenzo Cain, quality big league hitters, Looks silly you know guys that can make contact they weren't doing it against Gio on thursday and that's been the story of his season really so far after what was kind of an up and down spring training really i should say a down and up spring training for gallegos because he started a little bit clunky but he really began to pull it together as spring came to a close and he's carried that over right into this beginning of the year where he just looks sensational he's 2-0 and on the season he's in my mind the cardinal's strongest reliever at this point doesn't mean you got to put him in the closer role because Alex Reyes today continues the job that he's done officially unofficially whatever you want to call it the guy is the closer for the St. Louis Cardinals now notches his third save of the season gives up one hit in the ninth but grinds through it gets another strikeout and remains at a zero ERA for the year along with his piggyback partner in the late innings Giovanni Gallegos those guys just look tremendous right now And so that's what's carrying this team. But at the same time, the Cardinals, you can't win if you don't score. So their offense has managed to, one way or another, do just enough to win these close games. Like It feels like the last four or so games have all been the same story. You you go for several innings, not able to get a whole lot done. Whether you feel like the Cardinals are slightly up, slightly down, or, or basically in a tied score throughout basically innings one through six... That feeling is kind of like, eh, uneasy. Not sure the Cardinals are going to be able to get it done today. Wouldn't be surprised if they're unable to capitalize here. But then in the late innings, they just continue to get the job done. And today, it was another kind of storybook ending, the way the 7th and 8th inning went for the Cardinals. As again, like we saw in Miami, these late game rallies begin to take shape on occasion with two outs. Arenado and DeYoung both make outs to start the 7th inning. Yadier Molina gets a single. Seems to be pretty harmless. No big deal at that point. But you've got Dylan Carlson coming up to the bat. And that guy's been something. You You know he's able to take the ball out of the yard at any given time. Three home runs on the season coming into today. But this time, Carlson doesn't leave the yard. He finally has a hit that isn't a home run. But he ropes a double into the right field corner. Just a really good swing, high quality from the rookie once again. But then you've got Yadier Molina running. And so, you know, at this point in time, I was over at uh, Kilroy's, which is a a bar kind of on the other side of Patio's near the ballpark, kind of taking in the sights and sounds over there. And the play starts going nuts, right? Because Carlson hits this ball into the right field corner. And you know that Yadier Molina... The previous pitch, he was trying to, to, to run with the pitch, and so I don't know if he ended up taking off with this pitch or not. But at, at any rate, it's a ball that's in the corner. You think it might rattle around a little bit. Maybe Yachty can score from first. But then when they show the, the, the angle of the broadcast where Yachty's rounding third, I thought, at the speed he's going, I obviously, if I'm not in the ballpark, I can't see everything happening at once. I'm just watching it on television. But the way he looked... I would have been really surprised if he had gone and made it. I thought, this is going to end bad if he goes. So, simultaneously, it was the right decision to stop, yet it was a disappointing decision because you thought, oh man, this could be it. You go from not having any traction offensively the entire game to little base hit with two outs in the seventh. Boom, you get your extra base hit. Can you tie it on that play? No, you can't. So now the Cardinals need something more. And the problem there is they're heading into the bottom of the order, which has not been particularly effective to this point. Neither Justin Williams nor Tyler O'Neill to that point had notched a hit in the game, and with the way Tyler O'Neill had looked, you know, he just was—he just was not really having uh, the kind of competitive at bats that you want to see. And Williams obviously had had a slow start as well. But in this situation, they decide they're going to walk Justin Williams to get to Tyler O'Neill, like I had mentioned. Didn't look quite at his best in some of those earlier at-bats in the game. At the end of the day, O'Neill finishes with two strikeouts, but he goes one for three and gets the one that counts. Able to put the ball in play against the Brewers in that situation. I believe it was Yardley, the reliever that was in there for Milwaukee at that time. Hits a ball to kind of the shortstop side of second base, Evidently, at this point in time, Colton Wong had already been removed from the game because he was dealing with an oblique. We didn't know it at the time, but that was the reasoning. It came out after the game, something that he had dealt with in the Brewers' previous series, was able to get up good enough to go for the beginning of this game, but then tweaked it once again, which is really a shame, kind of a sidebar, by the way, that is the case for Wong because the ovation that he received at the beginning of the game on Thursday and had tears coming down his eyes... Ends up taking a four pitch walk from Waino, uh, which Wainwright talked about his command. He just was kind of out of sync early on in that game, which we are going to get to the way the fans impacted things there in that inning and kind of helped him bring it back to keep it scoreless after the top of the first. But for Colton Wong to be able to return to, you know, the city where you grew up, like he's talked about his emotions and the fondness that he holds in his heart for St. Louis was here for you know was a member of the organization for a decade and came up 2013 and was a big part of some some really good Cardinals teams in the years that followed and then goes to a new team a division rival and and gets to come here for opening day throwing bubble gum at his teammates as the the trucks are going by as they're being introduced which is something I didn't again because I wasn't there I didn't notice all that was going on so I kind of caught up with that after the game on Twitter I love every bit of that. It's fantastic. But for Wong to be injured now, uh, unlikely. I mean, I think it's going to be an injured list stint for the guy, which certainly means in either way, he's not going to be uh, probably having an impact or playing in either of the next two games, which are Saturday and Sunday, the remainder of the series down at Bush stadium. So that really sucks because uh, I, you know, Wong certainly was emotional about it and it was just really cool to see. And a a storyline that I love A former Cardinal coming back and it's still so fresh because I mean this was the first game Colton Wong batted in the last inning before today where fans were at Bush Stadium it was game two the ninth inning of the 2019 NLCS and he let off that inning he made an out that inning but was one of the last batters to bat and then he was the first one to do so today with fans in attendance After all of 2020, no fans were in the stands. So kind of a cool situation, cool moment that was a little bit diminished after the fact by the knowledge that he was injured in that situation. But the reason I bring him up, I believe it was the second baseman because the Brewers were in a shift in that situation that was on the shortstop side of second. So whoever came in at second base for long there ends up kind of botching the the play. You had Justin Williams bearing down, going towards second base. The force out on the grounder could have gotten Justin Williams at second base. That's fine, but he kind of was not able to get the exchange, couldn't figure out what he wanted to do with it. I'd have to go back and watch it to see exactly what took place. But long story short, he took too long, and so then he had to fire it to first base. But at that point in time, it was like, nope, you're not getting Tyler O'Neill, who is the fastest Cardinal, I'm pretty sure. He's faster than Bader. You know, I, I, he doesn't really get all the credit for it. StatCast is all over it, though. The sprint speed, he was over like 30 feet per second or something, whatever is the uh, the elite rate. He was in that category for this play. Beats it out, gets the run in. You, don't know, you know, it don't always have to be pretty, <laughs> right? In this case, it was pretty if you're watching him fly down the line. But, you know, the, do it some way or another. That's kind of got to be the motto of the Cardinals. In the seventh, there's some way was to have an infield hit, take advantage of an error. I don't know what they ruled it. I guess they gave him a hit because he did go one for three in the game. I guess I should look at that to kind of verify that there wasn't another Tyler O'Neal hit that I just happened to have missed. Now, they called it a base hit, so he goes one for three in the game and then had the two strikeouts to account for his three at-bats. But then the other, I said some way or another, the another way that the Cardinals can go ahead and win games by just using that guy they got from the Colorado Rockies, Nolan Arenado. Not sure if you've heard of him, but he's pretty darn good. And he showed it on Thursday with a home run in the 8th inning. Just a storybook, picturesque way to go about and win this game. I saw somebody it replied to me on Twitter and said, well, it could have been a walk-off. Yeah, I guess it could have been a walk-off, but I think it was pretty special the way it happened. Austin Dean gets into the game, pinch-hitting opportunity there in the 8th. He walks, and then Arenado hits the bomb, 3-1 Cardinals. You know with the way this bullpen's going, they're probably not going to look back from there, and Alex Reyes comes on to close the door. Just really incredible to see Nolan Aranato. Like It's what Cardinals fans have been dreaming of for two, the better part of two or three years. Apparently, though, it's what Nolan Arenado has been dreaming of for just about as long as we found out on Thursday hearing from Adam Wainwright after the game. This was incredible. As I was hearing him talk about this on Zoom, I couldn't freaking believe my ears. Like, it was remarkable to hear Wainwright talking about the fact that before Arenado was even on the Cardinals, long before the idea was conceived, I mean, I guess the idea was there in some of the minds, but long before it came to fruition, this guy was already angling to get on the St. Louis Cardinals. For each of the last couple of years, as all of you have been angling to get Nolan Arenado on the St. Louis Cardinals. He was doing the same thing. He wanted to be a Cardinal the whole way, and I think we we kind of all came to the collective realization a little bit today. And look, I don't know the ins and outs of it, and he might not say the same things quite as candidly as Adam Wainwright did today. It's going to be interesting because we talked to Arenado on Zoom first, and then we talked to Waino after Thursday's game. So the next t- time we come around getting to, to speak with Arenado, which... You don't know how many days from now that could be. If he homers on Saturday, maybe they give him to us again. But it's basically the team kind of decides. We can, as media members, you can kind of request who you'd like to see collectively. But it may be a little while before we talk to Nolan once again. Going to be interesting to see if he if gets asked at that point in time about some of Wainwright's comments after the game. Basically describing that he wanted to be a Cardinal all along.
1: The last year or two, he would send me, he would send me videos when he was trying to get traded over here, he would say, you know, show this to Mo. And he would be, you know, middle of the offseason, taking ground balls down the third baseline and doing his little jump throw from, you know, almost the dugout and making perfect throw one after one after another, one after another. Um, You know, just the guy loves baseball. He accidentally sent a message out to the team. He was trying to send it to his hidden coach or so I don't know who he was trying to send it to, but, you know, we were all, I was sitting there watching American Idol with my kids the the guys are all watching like you know NCAA basketball tournament or something, and, and Nolan accidentally sent a video out of him like working on his swing in the in the in the living room of his house in spring training at like 7:30 at night. You know, I mean the guy just loves working on baseball, and he's just a, a baseball rat, and we're glad to have him.
0: And that was Adam Wainwright Thursday evening following the Cardinals' 3-1 win over the Brewers. And I'm not sure if you caught that. I wanna I just want to play back this one little part really quick. Just to make sure we're all on the same page here.
1: When Adam Wainwright said... When he was trying to get traded over here.
0: And he's talking about Nolan Arenado, The last two years. He said one or two years. Nolan Arenado, as he was trying to get traded over here. As if it were like the most casual thing in the world. And everybody knew that he had been pushing for this for that period of time. Just a mind-blowing uh, reveal by Adam Wainwright on Thursday. Maybe he didn't see it as such, and that's why he said it. But I think for a lot of people, it was a revelation, to be sure. But then maybe the best part of the whole thing with Wainwright was at the end, it was Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch that asked him, hey, those videos that Nolan always sent you of him doing his work in the off season or whatever he was doing, hitting or throwing, you can imagine you know, this guy working out, doing the jump throw that you've seen a hundred times on highlight films, but the fact that he's practicing that in the off season in order to make a video to send it to Adam Wainwright. That is a pretty wild set of circumstances that we learned about on this Thursday. But at the end of the Zoom, Ben Fred asked him, like those videos, did you ever send them on to Mo? going to play that clip for you here before we get out of here. Here's what Adam Wainwright had to say to Ben Fred's question.
1: Oh yeah, I always send them. And i always say hey i know i know that you got a plan and you're working on some things but i every time he sends it to me i gotta do my part and send it on to you you know (laughs) and most most seem to be understanding of that so yeah
0: pretty excellent stuff and that right there was the end of the adam wainwright zoom session by the way there were no questions after that just kind of logged out there after that. So I think this would be a good opportunity to kind of circle back on what I said I wanted to talk about earlier in the podcast and kind of forgot until this point with Adam Wainwright in the first inning of the game on Thursday and the impact the fans had. And it's not a quote that I'm going to play necessarily. He did talk about it. But you can read about it if you really want to a little bit in depth. I think I included the entire quote in my article for KMOV, which I'd love for you to read because it means a lot that you consume the content on the audio. You read the stories, everything I'm putting out there, it means a whole lot when you guys do that. But what he said, I'll kind of describe a little bit of it anyway, so maybe that means he won't go back and read. But he was talking about, and I noticed this too, I tweeted this out kind of right after it happened, when that inning was going on, and it was bases loaded, two out, Lorenzo Keane up at the bat for the Milwaukee Brewers. Wayno gets behind him 2-0, and, and Yachty goes out for a mound visit, kind of calm him down a little bit. He's a veteran. They're both veterans, but sometimes, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing this, you could use a little bit of a moment to step back. And Waino actually said, yeah, he not only needed the moment to step back and kind of smell his glove, get the baseball feel in there, he said... But he he just needed a little bit of extra juice, a little support from the fans, and they knew it in that moment. were able to sense like, hey, this is a big spot already early in this game. Let's go ahead and give our guy, our, our sixteen seventeen year veteran, some love here in this spot. And that's exactly what the Cardinals fans did. It was really cool to see, and just kind of something that happened all of a sudden. Yachty's walking back toward the plate, getting ready to uh, call out a two zero pitch. And that's when it starts. Crowd kind of starts inside the stadium. You can hear it on the broadcast if you watch back, listen back. And you could certainly hear it outside the stadium. And so over there at the ballpark village area where I was, everybody starts kind of getting rowdy as well. And so it's like Adam Wainwright said after the fact that he sensed that that was a turning point in the at-bat because he was able to kind of collect himself, said the Cardinals fans actually helped him refocus in that moment. He throws a strike to Kane. He actually gets the next one to get it 2-2. Two, two. Obviously, he says, in the end, ends up giving it a ride. But Dylan Carlson makes a sensational play up against the wall. But just the fact that he was able to settle in and execute the pitches the way he wanted to in that moment, really cool to see Adam Wainwright you know, not only be able to get out of that inning with the help of Dylan Carlson, but acknowledge after the fact that something that everybody kind of sensed simultaneously was, hey, this is a spot in this game, and Wayno needed a little bit of an extra boost, and Cardinals fans, he said, like they've been for the last 16 and a half years, they were there for him in that moment, and Cardinals were able to get out of that jam, so really cool to see the fans not only out there, but be able to take an impact on the game. Really interesting, exciting, a lot going on today for the Cardinals on opening day, the home opener at Busch Stadium, St. Louis, gets another win, they're 5-2 and two now, challenging those Cincinnati Reds for the lead in the division, as the Reds have been red hot. Uh, obviously took two of three from the Cardinals to start the season, and then they beat the tar out of the poor Pirates, which I think everybody's going to have to do this year if you want a chance in the NL Central because you're going to play them like 19 times, whatever it is, if you're the Cardinals, and they're going to be the fifth-place team. You've got to figure out a way to, if it's 19 games, I don't know if it's 18 or 19 or 20 or what it is, but if it's 19, let's say you've got to win, I don't know, 13 of them. You've got to win at like a 667 clip against pittsburgh at least i think if you want to be able to make headway in the division because the rest of the teams in this division to varying degrees could be relatively tough i think in the west you're going to have the the bigger teams like the padres and dodgers i think in the east you're going to have the braves and several of those teams potentially in the in the soft cushy middle of the east it might not be as soft and cushy as conceivably the middle of the central will be Uh, but i think as a general rule you're going to want to beat the Pirates. So. That's where the Cardinals, though, stand after opening day, the home opener. They're going to get the day off on Friday and then get back at it on Saturday. It'll be Carlos Martinez on the mound for the day game at Busch Stadium on Saturday. Going to be interesting to see how he fares in front of the home crowd. Looked pretty decent in his first start of the season. You remember, though, he's trying to build it back after a tough go of things in 2020. So, Carlos Martinez will be on the bump for St. Louis. We'll see if Paul Goldschmidt will be in the lineup. That's not something we really got into in the podcast today, but he was obviously scratched from the starting lineup for the Cardinals on Thursday due to lower back tightness. Mike Schultz said after the game it kind of tightened up on him Wednesday night, and then when he came in on Thursday, it wasn't feeling any better. He wasn't able to really do anything baseball-wise on Thursday. Got treatment, said it did get better as the night went along. The afternoon went along, but still wouldn't have been able to do anything from a baseball standpoint. So maybe the off day on Friday coming at the perfect time for the Cardinals for the chance that they might be able to get their stud first baseman back having only missed a game. I don't know. I'm a little bit more skeptical until we hear some more. Uh, Sometimes backs are weird and these things can happen. You don't want to screw with it when it's screwy, but it is something that after a few days can potentially be better Uh, I say that anecdotally, right? From personal experience, we've all had back pain, and sometimes it locks up on you, and you can't really articulate why. And then a few days later, maybe it feels better. Hopefully that's the case for Paul Goldschmidt. Nothing serious, and he's able to get back into the Cardinals lineup in short order. Speaking of the Cardinals lineup, excited to be doing this on Twitter this year. I don't know if you guys saw yet on Twitter today, at bshafer12. I tweeted out the Cardinals starting lineup using baseball cards uh, baseball cards—something a hobby that I've gotten into pretty heavily, honestly, in recent weeks. Another element—I've uh, done disc golf, right? Started that kind of like last May when the pandemic was kind of at its height and people were in quarantine and you could only go outside basically to do some exercise. And so that's something that I picked up. Something that exploded really uh, throughout the pandemic in 2020. Baseball cards are an, and sports cards in general. Or another thing, hobby that has just taken off in popularity and now you can't even find these cards in stores if you want to. But I've been able to kind of come across as many Cardinals cards as I can of guys that are currently on the team. And the plan is to kind of shake it up a little bit with the lineup tweets because everybody tweets the lineup. And so how can you make yours different? Well, I'm going to try to make mine different this year by doing it with baseball cards. So follow along at bshafer12 if you think that's kind of cool. Another thing I think you should do, I think would be cool, send me a voice message on this podcast. Go to anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message, drop me a line record your own voice, talking about the Cardinals, asking a question. Love to get into it when I can. Sometimes I get these questions, and I know I don't get to them right away, but they're always on the back burner in my mind. And the more they come in, the more I'll be thinking about them. And I appreciate when you guys get involved in the show because it means you're out there and listening, and that's awesome to me. So thank you guys once again for being along for the ride not only for this episode, but throughout the season. I think it's going to be a good one for the Cardinals as they're getting off to a wonderful start. Make sure to subscribe, though, if you've not already done so to the podcast. If this is your first time listening or something, head on over to your favorite app and subscribe. You might already be in the app listening on your phone just a couple of extra clicks away to be able to lock in on b Shave Daily for the entire season. You can do it at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the rest of the wonderful hubs for podcasts and audio listening so appreciate you guys once again that's going to wrap it up for this edition of b-shaped daily and we'll talk to you next time